the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, hosted by Mike O'Kelly, presented by Rhythm AI. The goal is to get in, dominate, then get out. Surviving Outside Sales, along with the show. Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. On today's episode, I have Brent Keltner, the president of Winalytics, author of the Revenue Acceleration Playbook, and an expert in sales. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Mike. We're having a beautiful spring here in Boston. Okay. That was the next Early question summer. I was going to ask you is, where are you calling from? So Boston. In Boston, I moved here like 20 years ago, and sometimes mm. the spring, early summer is beautiful, and sometimes it's like cold, and then mm. boom, you go right into just the the summer bake. <laughs> this year, fortunately, really cold spring, mm-hmm. but the last four weeks have just been gorgeous, so made it made it all worth it. Well, great. Yeah, we're in. I'm in North Carolina in Charlotte, and we went from spring to summer basically, summer overnight. basically overnight. Yeah, we're, we're now up in the hundreds, which is we very rarely get in the hundreds, if ever, in June. So yeah, it's a lot of dead grass. It's very sticky outside, but <laughs> I am very, I'm very fortunate. If you're listening right now and you're still in outside sales, I feel for you because it is brutally hot. I know you're sweating, getting in and out of your car, but I'll digress. So right off the bat, you know, if you want to go back as far as you want to and give a little background to the audience of where you've come from and what are you doing today. Yeah, so let we'll start with what I'm doing today, which is, you know, Winalytics is, we call it a revenue acceleration and go-to-market consultancy. We do a lot of work with sales, but as you and I talked about in the pre-conversation, today it's all about the buyer journey. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about your sales experience outside your website experience, outside the way you're prospecting to your buyers and demand generation outside your customer success, you're thinking about it wrong because buyers don't follow a linear process anymore. Mm-hmm. So sales has to be part of your go-to-market strategy. It has to be thinking about what's a continuous story we tell our buyers about value. Sales comes in when we get the meeting and we want to anchor a lot of value early on and create an arc into a you know high-velocity deal that closes. <clears throat> but we have to think about that all the touch points, make sure we're telling the same stories about value that, that, that they're telling. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the work we do. And I had a really strange start. I spent 10 years before starting Winalytics as a revenue leader, but I actually started out life as a PhD social scientist. I worked at the Rand Corporation and my first selling was trying to get busy bank and insurance and telecom executives to do interviews with me. And I was an academic trained by educators. They could care less about me and they could care less about my project, which is a research project. And every research project is boring and arcane. You can't explain it in an interesting way. So I had to get really good at figuring out how to engage them on their terms. What's in it for them? What can they learn from their peers that are participating in the study? What are they going to get out of my conversation that makes it worthwhile? So I learned to run what we call authentic conversations, which put the buyer first at the beginning, middle and end of your call, had a ton of success there, had a ton of success using that method as a revenue leader and then as a consultant. So we believe really strongly, like just always re-anchor on your buyer, your buyer's journey. Where are they in the journey? How are you delivering value? How are you helping them to see a more successful future? 
If that's your whole focus, not your product, not you, not your accomplishments, how can you help your buyer or customer to see a more successful future? You will win faster and you'll like your work a lot more. That is absolutely great advice. And one of the ways I heard it from a marketing guy was, you know, in the sales process, we're very inward focused. You know, this is what we do. We're so great at this. We're the number one. And I, I, I did that too, but I'm going to be honest. Early in my career, I didn't know any better and I didn't have the mentors and guidance. And I would lead out with, I'm so-and-so from this company and this is what we do and this is how it's going to. And it just kind of, you know, the eyes would glaze over my prospects and I didn't know why. I'm like, wait, I just nailed all the talking points of my company and the eyes would just glaze over. And it's interesting that you come from the academic world because a lot of the guests we've had, we talk about sales being psychological. It yeah. really is. It's changing an emotional state of somebody else through communication, through a conversation. And so I think very, I think early on your background as an academic probably helped you in the sales and understanding that buyer journey. Is that fair? I, I to- totally accurate statement that, you know, academics is more, you, it's all focused on collecting information. Mm-hmm. So if you start from that, like I got to get information out of this rather than pitch my product. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was very helpful. But honestly, the reality is one of the biggest things we're still overcoming as outside sales professionals is the fact that we had this decade of so-called innovation and sales strategy mm-hmm. and process that wasn't. Right. And I don't want to call anybody out, but you know, the methodology, teach, tailor, take control. It's all about you. 2011, boom, you had like 12 or 15 other methodologies come out about teach, tailor, take control, insight selling, disruptive selling, right. And different ways of, so it was all about, is all about the seller. What does the seller do? And to your point, what we do matters about one-tenth of what our buyers do and what our buyers say. So we are just, if if you just shift your mindset, it's not about me. It's not about my products, not how great I am. It's all about what I can prompt my buyer to tell me about their why. Why are they here? What are they trying to solve for? How can I make them more successful, right? And what are they willing to do about it to move together in a mutual process, not a sales process, a mutual process. So we're unwinding. Most of the training out there is bad in the sense that we've moved to a world where buyers have a ton of information. Buyers are in charge. Mm -hmm. They can get all the information on you and your competitors from peer-reviewed sites, from (laughs) websites, from kind of social media. We need to show up and immediately help them think about how we can contribute to their goals not rehash who we are and what our product is. Absolutely. And that is, that's kind of the shift that's happened. And yes, I was in some of those sales organizations where they just said, here's who we're calling on. Here's who, here's who we're going to go talk to. And this is what you say. And it was very yeah. robotic. And I don't know how much familiarity you have in the medical pharmaceutical space, but I had a company that told me I had to hold my sales brochure at a 45 degree angle. And I had to have a ballpoint <laughs> pen and I had to point to every word as I, and I raised my hand in training and I said, we're calling on physicians, correct? And they're like, yes. Well, can I just assume that they're smart individuals? 
And then I'm not like, I don't have to go word for word with a pointer and, and kind of like help them read along, but that's what they're literally, that's what they were training to do because the executives of this company thought that that that's all that needed to happen. Let's just get a warm body out in the field. And I hundred percent agree with you. There was about a decade where I think it was, I call it the lost decade. Well, I've heard this phrase before. I didn't coin it, but the lost decade of sales. And it really was from 2008 to about 2018. And it was after 2008, when things got really, really tough, the sales management decided, well, in order to increase sales, we're going to do what I did when I was out in the field back in the 80s and the 90s. And that was I educated. And yes, you had to because there wasn't the internet, a doctor or anybody you're calling. It doesn't matter if you're in medical, pharmaceutical, you know, wine sales, B2B. Any person literally had never heard of you till you walked in the door. Mm. That's not the case anymore. The minute you leave, no. They're Googling your company and they're making assumptions. So I 100% agree with you. It's less about educating and it's more taking whatever information they have and then making sure it's correct, but understanding how they consume the information and how they they process that information and how they get to the decisions that they get to. I'll be honest. I am a just cut to the chase. Tell me how much it is and tell me what I'm going to do with this. What's my ROI? I'm probably the easiest person to sell, but the hardest person to sell because I disrupt that entire talk track. I don't know what your personality is. Are you very similar? Well, I'm not. No, I tend to want to, I tend to want to understand what the potential value is. Okay. Like before I get to, cause that usually takes a while to unpack, but I want to go back to your lost decade. Mm-hmm. What, what do you? Th- I love that term. I don't, who, who? Where did you take that term from? I don't know. You it's know? just one of those things that kind of seeped into my subconscious, and I don't know if I just thought of it one day or if somebody mentioned it. I really don't know. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you. Absolutely, go ahead. That's the first time I've heard. <laughs> it. What What do you think caused the shift? And then we'll go back to your question. But what do you think started to cause the shift at the end of 2018? I think well, so in 2008, what I think happened was because of the the crash and you know and, and real estate and kind of the bubble bursting. Everybody has to hit numbers, and so if you're listening right now here in sales, you realize that the people above you doesn't matter how high they are, they have numbers to hit as well but they don't have the daily actions that you do. And so what I think happened was they started to press. So these executives who couldn't go out in the field and sell themselves thought, let's just heap more action upon them. And this happened in my industry. It was more KPIs. It was more, more calls is better. Hey, if you're doing eight, let's do 12. Hey, if you're doing 12, let's do 15. And then it became, you don't have time to actually go through the buyer's journey. What you have time for is just talking points. Let's streamline. Okay. You know, let's streamline to make this easy. And so then it was, this is what I used to do. And my dad was in pharmaceutical sales. He used to have 15 minute sit downs on every call with physicians and they would talk clinically a, because my dad had excellent training. He worked for Roche, one of the larger companies in the world. He, they had excellent training. So it wasn't talk tracks. My dad could talk with cardiologists, primary care doctors. He could talk to them on a like I wouldn't say a super clinical level, but in other words, they respected his knowledge as a sales professional. That's completely out the window. Then it was just, okay, how do we cobble together enough talking points to increase sales in the short term? And let's just, you know, as we're running downhill, let's just move our feet fast enough. We don't fall over and we don't trip. And you do that for a decade. And I think a lot of companies started to go out of business. And I think they started falling flat. To answer your question, I think social media 
started mocking this process. Mm -hmm. I know there was a lot of these meme accounts and there was a lot of these parody accounts that started mocking. And all of a sudden, these sales executives see this mocking and it's not personal. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily blame a lot of these executives because when, when things go rough, you're going to fall back on your highest level of training. Yeah. So this could have spanned decades. It's not just something that happened for that one decade, but I think in 2018, I think companies could not get away from technology. And I'll give you a perfect example. There was a laser company and they posted something at a national sales meeting and it went viral. And it basically said doctors on the board. It said doctors are stupid. They don't know. They're not good at business. You're going to have to teach them everything about business or you're not going to sell a laser. I'm not going to name that company, but I think if you Google it, laser company caught on PowerPoint national sales meeting, the article will pop up that the amount of pushback that came from the industry was seismic. And so in a very long (laughs) drawn out way, I think technology and social media and the ability to rank and post and rate and comment to spread throughout the entire world has made people pause and say, oh, wait a minute. We can't just go in there and demand, demand, demand. So that's what I think happened. I think the internet exposed a lot of these charlatans and these get rich quick you know, tactics and these quote unquote hacky sales advice. And I'm, I'm all, I'm all here for it. Like I want to get back to the basics. And so when, before our call, I was doing research as I do with every guest that comes on. And when I saw your, your book coming, your book that is out the revenue acceleration playbook, I told you it is just made me smile because, you know, I want you to talk more about that, you know, after, if you want to comment on what I said, but the playbook, the process, there is a system and a way, a methodical way of doing things the right way. There's no shortcuts. There's no quote unquote hacks. It is, here's your process. This is tried and true. And it it all ties together between the buyer's journey, your go-to-market, everything in together. So Brent, to bring bring it back to those topics and respond to what you said at the same time. I mean, look, the fundamentals of good selling are Mm -hmm. having great conversations, right? It's conversations, honestly, that our buyers want to continue. It gets them to think about things differently. They see a, they see the potential for a shared future, a better future with us. It's a conversation. It's not a talk track. And playbooks basically are just a way of structuring every phase of a buyer or customer interaction. So we come back to the buyer. Why? What's in it for them? Because we have great conversations when we get our buyer excited about where, you know, where they are now, where could they be? Mm-hmm. How could you help them get to a better future? And so, you know, playbooks are just a way of thinking about it. And it's, we think of playbooks as a framework. It's not a script. It doesn't say do this, do this. It's suggestions on questions or talk tracks, or we use a lot of what we call social proof mm-hmm. stories, right? Of people like them to just do, are we seeing how you have a problem that we could help solve that is going to get you to a better Future, And I'll just give you one example from I was on this morning with a founder of a company who has an academic support technology for colleges and universities. So you create one experience for students and faculty. Most academic support is, 
hey, here's tutoring, here's the writing center, here's my advisor. It's totally siloed, confusing for students. So great way of solving the problem. But before we started working together, they'd show up and say, hey, we've created the best ed tech platform ever. You know, we do this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, who's the hero of that story? Mm -hmm. Well, you're the hero of that story. If you want to get a little bit more engagement, how about just saying, you know, have you thought about moving to centralized academic support? Many of the campuses that we work like with when they when they do that, they get students to use it more. Mm-hmm. So they complete their courses at a higher rate. They're more satisfied. And by the way, by streamlining, you can reduce your costs. Have you thought about how academic support could help with student success and managing your costs at the same time? Would that help you? So you flip it to it's not about me. It's about a problem that we might focus on solving together, and it totally changes the conversation. Surviving Outside Sales podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are in outside sales, check out RhythmAI.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm. Prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't. Try for $1 for the first month today. That's RhythmAI.com. Now back to the show. You really have to paint a picture. and Paint a picture. You know, if somebody, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm very, I don't know, I'm kind of, my personality at Brent is I'm an, I, I'm an early adopter. So I, I grasp onto concepts very quickly. And if I like the concept, I'll jump on it. And I, you know, my, my, my partners, they laugh because I'm first to jump on technology. I don't need to see something that works. Although I, I do laugh. I kind of poo-pooed the iPod and the iPad when it first came out. And I was, I was shown to be the, the laggard on that one and completely Mm -hmm. wrong. But other things that I've jumped on, it's just, if I conceptually understand, I just want to, okay, how much does it cost? But one of the things that I had to realize in my process was not everybody thinks like I do. And so there's a little part of self-awareness also in the buyer's journey. You have to realize you have to figure out what motivates them because it's not the same as you. And I'll I'll tell you, Brent, in sales training right now, there's not a lot of talk of find out the motivation of of the prospect. And again, yeah, I would have success and a lot of success with people that thought like me. But if I'm only representing less than 16% of the population, man, I got to go on a lot of prospecting calls in order to find them. It wasn't until I started unlocking the different types of buyers. And I'd love to hear your opinion on on that as well. Once I started doing that, I started opening up more opportunities. So yeah, 100%. 100%, I wanted to go back to your medical example of holding it up and pointing to this (laughs) and this and this. And for your audience, you know, when you're going through your product pitch, have they ever thought about what that sounds like to the buyer? Mm Mm-hmm. And I would suggest what it sounds like is wah, 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 wah. I mean, yep. think of the teacher and Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. right? Where the kids are just tuning out this, they're doing their best just not to listen because they're totally bored. Yeah. That's what our product pitches sound like to our buyers. It's like, map, 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 just all blurs together. And to your point, the the reason starting with understanding your buyer is so important is every buyer is slightly different. 
we sell the same stuff, but the way they describe the benefit to them is going to be slightly different. And if you just ask enough questions to listen, how they describe the benefit, mm-hmm. and then play it back to them, boom, you've just differentiated yourself from 90% of sales professionals out there. And I'll I think, it, simp- yeah, and I think if you just do that, if you separate yourself from the competition, you don't have to be perfect. No, people are willing to get, I mean, I, I've done it in my personal life when people try to pitch me is I've given people benefit of the doubt because when you, when you act like you're different, people will engage with that. And I, I love when I see people that are trying and I'm like, that's okay. Go again. Like I've had people knock on my door and everybody hates door knockers in 2020 plus, you know, 2022 and people come by and I'm like, okay, you know, what are you selling? And the guy, kid was so nervous. He was a high school kid and he was so nervous. And I said, it's okay. Start over, you know, but he came up and he started asking me questions. He didn't say what his name was, which he probably should have, but I didn't care. You know, I don't care what your name is at the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to know why, why are you there? That's, that's what I care about first. Not everybody's the same, but he didn't go into my name is so-and-so and I am doing so-and-so and this is what I have. You know, if you, if your pitches sound like that, and I even hate to use the word pitch, but if you start talking like that, when you're talking, talking to a prospect, you've already lost. They've already you've tuned already you out, lost. like you said, and I'm going to start using already. that. I completely forgot about the Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And, <laughs> but people will give you the benefit of the doubt if they see that you are different and you're trying. And again, you, I think you're it's trying also, and you're interested when you ask questions, what you're saying is. I'm interested in learning about you yep. and hearing why you might be interested in talking with me. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. I, I cut you off. I was going to no share a couple of examples, but finish your thought. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I tell the story about a seller I worked with, Samir, who mm-hmm. literally had been an account manager for four years, doing okay, but he would always just go on with his product script. And I said, hey, why don't you just be a little bit more authentic and just ask him, what else are they working on? You know, so he went to one account, it was like this 20K pump. And he just said, hey, what else are you working on related to that pump? And this buyer spent the next 45 minutes telling him about how that pump was related to the line, manufacturing line uptimes and predictive maintenance, these other things he's being held accountable for. And literally was so excited to have a thought partner. He sent a follow-up email to Samir. And suddenly that 20K opportunity turned into a 200K conversations what else are you working on? What have you tried around that? What's mm-hmm. working? What's not working? I'm interested on what what will make you more successful. This isn't about me. Yeah, it is. If you have curiosity and you really care about what other people are doing, it'll open up so many more avenues. And it's you know when you're when you're talking to people, think about if you went into an elevator and the person next to you just turned to you and said. Hi, my name is Brent and I sell this, this, and they just started going into a pitch. You would think it's absolutely crazy, but yet that's how a lot of the training is. And that's how a lot of the strategies are that we teach. When I say we, I loosely say that in the outside sales world, that's what a lot of people have been trained to do when they meet a person they've never seen before. You would never do that in your personal life. And yet that's what we've been doing for sales professionals. And it's just, I'm hoping, as we mentioned in, in the last decade, I'm hoping that it has turned and I'm hoping that enough people, and I do think LinkedIn has helped. And I think social media helps because it gives access to experts like yourself that have the playbooks. And I think that people need to really search and look around LinkedIn and other social medias to find these playbooks. 
because there are different ways of doing things, not just what your one company has told you the process is like. No, there's yeah. there's a lot of things that can shift. And so again, having curiosity doesn't just lend itself towards the prospect. It's just being curious about, hey, what else is out there that I can possibly study, purchase, invest in myself? One of the things is the revenue acceleration playbook is, is yeah, spending yeah. money. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, you're you've nailed it. The most training is still in the old product-driven selling model. So <clears throat> folks need to actively search out resources to shift. Mm-hmm. And there are just two things I would encourage your audience to think about in terms of making their own shift, because the buyer journey now, it has to be about having good conversations mm-hmm. and good conversations start with questions. And what I would encourage folks to think about everybody now, even a lot of discovery can be superficial, right? It's like we ask questions, hey, what keeps you up at night? Like, what what, what do you want to get out of this call, et cetera? I, what I would encourage folks to think about is, you know, we talk about not discovery, but value discovery, which gets mm-hmm. you to some kind of success statement. It's like your buyer telling you how you can be more successful. So, you know, simple as you could start with what are you working on, but okay, so what have you tried around that? You know, what's working for you and not working for you? And around that priority that your boss set for you, you know, in six months, how would you know if you were more successful? What would be a better future? What would make you a hero to your boss? What would get you to do the touchdown dance? So just think of your own questions that basically get your buyer to tell you What's that more successful future in 90 days, in, in six months, in, in 12 months? Because if you can get them thinking about a more successful future, if you can get them to a success statement, mm-hmm. boom, man, they will talk to you again all day long. They'll bring in their boss. They'll give you more time and access. So I just encourage people, not just discovery, value discovery, to get to something they value deeply that leads them to a more successful future. The other thing we always say is know your stories, mm-hmm. right? Every call you go into, think about two people like that person you're going to talk to. Mm-hmm. Think about your name drops. Because when you start to talk about peers that like them that have been successful, there's this subtle but really powerful shift, which is it's not you and me. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's a we, right, that are trying to solve a shared problem. Mm-hmm. So people got to let, and good sellers, as you know, it's like you have your reference accounts. Why do they buy from you? What do you, what's the great stuff you're doing for them that are leading them to renew and buy more every year? We'll ask them if you don't know, Mm -hmm. but learn your stories and use your stories in selling because there's nothing that will get a buyer engaged more quickly than hearing that you've made a peer successful. Absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to give a definition. So in the outside sales world, the term discovery is not used. And I, I, I don't understand why, because it makes so much sense. I know in the software, in the software industry, inside sales, discovery is very well known. So if you're listening right now, discovery is just simply the process of pre-qualifying or qualifying if this is even the right person to be talking on and so or talking to. You want to ask, as, as Brent mentioned, questions. You want to get to the root of what they need. If you're trying to sell heart medication in a dermatology clinic, you're in the wrong clinic. If you just walk in and you're like, well, I don't understand what's going on. Well, you're in the wrong office to begin with. Now that's absurd because that would never happen. Your company would never point you in that direction. I'm using absurdity for making a point. 
And so you have to start qualifying, asking questions. And discovery is really finding out how do I, what are their hot buttons? And the only way to do that is to ask questions, to find out what, you know, some people, they care about money. Some people care about driving revenue, saving money, lowering costs, outcomes of their customers. And so there's a hot button for everybody else. So that is what discovery means. And then if you see an acronym out there, if you're in sales, the GTM, that's go to market. And so you'll hear discovery, go to market. A lot of those things are talking about the intro to the sales process and the sales call, which Brent does very, he explains it very well on his social media. Go to market. I know we kind of touched on that a little bit in the, the pre-call. What kind of tips can you give for individuals who are at their go to market stage? So in the outside sales world, Brent, I think go to market is you're new to the product, you're new to a company, you're new to a market, any kind of change. What type of tips can you walk through advice to give for your go to market strategies? Yeah, I want to say just one thing before we leave that on the pre qualification and okay. the, the importance of the questions. I just want to encourage your audience to you ask the questions, but then hearing the answer mm-hmm. and use starting to use their language just puts you in a totally different, right? Is if you say back to them, I heard you say, mm-hmm. you know, like this example I gave of the academic support, I was on a call with them and the the basic person on the other end said, said, currently our academic information is all over the place, our academic support information. And I just said, look, use that in your follow-up email, use that in the next time you go, I heard you say your academic support is all over the place. And boom, you've got their attention and no other way. So questions are huge. What are their hot buttons? And ideally, what are their hot buttons in their words? Mm-hmm. Because anything you can recap to them, they're just like, oh, wow. They listened. They understood. That's my guy or gal. I want to work with them. Mm-hmm. On the go-to-market, I mean, our biggest tip, honestly, is learn as quickly as you can your buyer through stories about your existing customers. Well, there so it if is. You learn your you learn your customer stories. It's as simple as that. You will know how to sell to more buyers. And so, what you should be thinking about early on in a new role, or you're launching a new product line, is really what where is my buyer walking today? What does 24 hours look like for my buyer? What are the likely pains that are going to come up for them? What are the likely hot button issues that are going to come up for them? How can I speak to those? Best way to learn that is through your existing customer stories. Yeah, it really is. It it is that simple. You know, you took you took a very complex idea and just whittled it down to being very simple. I, I really do appreciate you being on the show. I wish we could talk for another hour, hour and a half, but you know, I don't know if the audience wants me rambling on any longer than that. So Brent, how can our listeners connect with you? What's the best way? And if they want to get the revenue acceleration playbook, where can they purchase that? Yeah. So they can just go to amazon.com and Google the revenue acceleration playbook. They know they want to buy it. You can also go to authenticitywins.com, which is our book website. You can download the first chapter and the preface for free. So you can kind of get a sampling of what it's like. They can also just reach out to me directly. I answer, you know, or on LinkedIn. 
anybody who reaches out to me, I'll find time to respond because I love these conversations. So they can come to my LinkedIn profile. There's only one Brent Keltner. It's not a common name or bkeltner at winalytics.com. They can uh, email me directly. Well, there you go. Go to Brent's uh, LinkedIn, go to his website and go to Amazon and purchase the book. You're not going to regret it. So Brent, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. And as always, this has been another episode of Surviving Outside Sales. We will see you next time. Have a great day, Brent. Thank you, Mike. Enjoyed the conversation.